Oh yeah, so I told him we're well, that first part was boring. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make it better in this one. It's gonna be fine. Everything is fine. I think okay. you guys did great. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are Mediocre, mediocre content. content. And welcome Yay. back for us, because we haven't seen or heard from each other in about a month. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long, long time. Very long time. Glad to be back. <sighs> oh my gosh, yes. This is definitely needed in my weekly life. Yeah. So um, we do have... A bit of news. You have a lot of news to share. I have a lot. I have a lot of. I did a lot during the break. Yeah, yes. there's a lot happening, um, and we just wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, so we have one more show after this. It'll be our Christmas show, and <clears throat> then we're gonna do our. Then, well, we think in the new year we're gonna try and make it like a New Year's resolution, if you will, to like <laughs> to um record every week yes. so we're gonna have a show every week starting right. in january it's a lot it'll be a yeah lot, but yeah so we're we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of um pre-recording in mm-hmm. during december and um hopefully start the new year off with a show every week yeah which is great because that means more for the listener to listen yes. to <laughs> And participate yes but uh also more time for us to connect which is the root of this show anyway like that was the whole exactly we did it so it just kind of contributes to both <laughs> for both of us yes also we're a, a goal of ours I, we know you love the ad with our husbands <laughs> we're totally aware that you love it and um we're gonna try and switch it up and do some other ones maybe record a couple different ones just to like mix it up every week yeah. um so yeah, that's coming in the new yes. year. So stay tuned for that. Be more work for them than us on that one. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> the point. Definitely. So. Um, and then we also might try and have some more guests. We do have a guest today. Yes. He's a surprise guest. <laughs> one of the um, mediocre husbands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody welcome Tyler to the show. <laughs> yes. Yay, Tyler. Applause. <laughs> you're not gonna say anything you can say something now i'm gonna talk later <laughs> okay. yeah okay yes. all right so um clearly he's enthusiastic to be here everybody yeah so happy um so but hopefully in the new year we'll have some other guests and some fun things to do and it, it's gonna be a good time so stick around and they'll have to because to do it once a week means we need their support and that also means we need your support so feel free to continue to send us things that you'd want to listen to or maybe some topic ideas or questions that you have from previous podcasts we'd love to integrate those into all future ones yeah actually today's topic is a direct request from one of the listeners indeed super fun all right. <clears throat> so during the break, I have a lot to talk to you about. Oh yes, my please. God. I, I have to know oh the God. tea first and foremost on the Harry Styles debacle because Girl. I heard that did not go well or as planned. I, okay. So first of all, I apologize to my husband. This does not pertain to him. You cannot trust no man. Okay. <laughs> you can like Harry, no. Harold Styles Harold. canceled, canceled his concert, mm-hmm. canceled his concert. And just tell you it, it was not like the day before 
It no. was not even like an like two hours before. It was an hour before. Oh, no. An hour before. Oh man, and you were in line if I remember correctly because no. you so, did yes, send me a is, picture. <laughs> this is a sequence of events, right? This is yes. a sequence of events. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> my best friend Caroline and I, mm-hmm. um, our our thing is like we don't hang out like normal people. We like go to concerts and try to get front row. Like mm-hmm. that's our thing. Um, we've been to many a BTS concert. And, um, so this was our first Harry Styles concert Mm -hmm. and we were like, okay, well we want front row. Mm -hmm. And in this particular venue, the situation is you camp out the night before to get a wristband to save your place in line. So you, you get, they hand out the wristbands at 9am the morning of the concert. Which is right. just ridiculous to me. I could never just, I know, just, yeah. just hang in there with me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they were camping out the night before and waiting for 9am so we can get in line to get our wristband to save our spot for the line for general admission later on in the day. Right. Um, so then we can go home and shower and sleep and everything. Right. And be like normal human people. <laughs> right. Um, so we wait out the night before, which camping is like kind of a vibe. First of all, like people brought like full tents and like had a whole setup and were like living basically on the side of the street for this thing. It was crazy. It was crazy. I know. And the parents were out there being supportive, like shout out to Chris who like literally brought us food in the morning and Starbucks and stuff. Like he was the real MVP of this trip. Like, I don't (laughs) think this could have happened without him. And we, so we're camping everything's going well. The vibes are good. Like Mm -hmm. people are nice. Great. Everything's good. We get in line. We get our wristband. No problem. We're like number 200 in line, something like that, which seems like a lot, but the stage is big. So I think that we feel pretty good about that's like a front row, like Mm -hmm. barricade spot. Right. Sure. Um, so we go home, we or to the hotel. We, We get, we shower, we get ready outfits, immaculate. They did look good. So, uh, I've never felt better. It was great. I was so proud of my outfit. We had like glitter and, you know, we were ready. We were ready for what this was going to be. Of course. (laughs) But so we're in line and we're waiting, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we spent, I think like an hour in line because they have you, um, get in line about an hour before they let you in. Mm -hmm. Right. So everybody's in their place. They're checking, making sure everyone's in order, blah, blah, blah. And, it's weird because there's like, so we're about to go through the metal detectors and there's security that's like on the outside, Mm -hmm. um, trying to, well, we, we don't know what they're doing. We don't know what the holdup is. Like it's about time to go in and they're just standing there (laughs) and we're um... like, what's going on? We don't know. (laughs) And all of a sudden, like we're getting kind of suspicious. We're not really sure like what the vibe is, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this girl is like, it's canceled. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what do you mean? And then, and she's like, it's on Instagram. Oh no, they didn't even announce it to you guys. It was oh, on Instagram. I know. And then like five minutes later, this guy comes out with a megaphone and is oh. like, we're going to have to ask you guys to leave. Oh my, It's gosh. canceled. 
and Harold had the flu, so I can't oh. fault him for that. It's fine. But, wait. but damn, you should have known you had the flu at like right. nine in the morning. Exactly. That's exactly what I was just about to say, because there's no way that you aren't feeling bad before everybody gets there. And you're like, ooh, maybe not like the best time for a concert. Correct. Correct. That's and weird. there's evidence that the show before he was like, he had like a station where he was like had tea and stuff on oh, stage. So yeah. he was not feeling super great I know a couple probably... days before. So, yeah. and this is the first time he's had to cancel a show. Yeah. I'm sure he so, felt bad also. Yes. Yeah. So I have theories. We have theories because obviously like as a sane, normal person, you would know like the morning of, and maybe sure. he was really trying to like push through or whatever. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But Aside from that, I think maybe he was waiting for like a COVID test to come back oh, um, just to make sure. That's Don't give fair. me that look, Tyler. I see you in the background. <laughs> what? Like, what a 15 minute COVID test. <laughs> I, you know, what, like, and, and this in his, or something? right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's I don't trying know. To give so him that, room. <laughs> it's a working theory. It's a working theory. Okay. And then I think maybe. He said in his statement, like he mm -hmm. just got back from the doctor or like something like that. But I'm like, you don't need a doctor to tell you you can't go on stage because you're sick. So I, I don't guess. know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So long story short, they rescheduled the dates for January, which is mm. terrible because it's going to be cold. Yes, exactly. Because mm. And wait, my wristband does not. It's in L.A., but oh, it okay. still gets cold at night. Like it was cold when we were there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, in November. Probably like 50s right okay the sad. it was like it was like 45 thank you very much that is pretty chilly it was cold and there's no like humidity or like any kind of yeah. any it's just dry and cold. cold okay right yeah 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 but your wristband situation so the wristband situation doesn't hold up either so you have to like go through the whole thing oh again. that's unfair I know that I know so unfair. we put in all this effort for nothing to like yeah, for basically nothing. Oh, I which it was. I, it, if I'm up. being an optimistic person, and it was very nice to spend time with Caroline. We had sure. a lovely time. Did it end the way that I thought it was going to? No, obviously not. <laughs> no, but um, I would have honored the wristbands. Like if you're I, in line and everybody was already there, just about to enter for the real concert, and they went through yeah. all of that trouble. Absolutely honor the wristbands. That's absurd. Yeah, I know. Ooh, and I still awesome. have mine just in case they like yeah. come back and say like, "Oh, well, actually, you guys can like you know use yeah. these." Then I'll be like, "Great." easy but I don't think they will maybe they figure they that will. people would probably just dispose of them and maybe that's why they're like uh, people are probably just gonna chuck them and so I don't know I yeah I don't know I feel like some people wear their wristbands for like days afterwards it would not mm -hmm. surprise me when it comes to Harold I know so anyway we're just it's okay you did have uh, one concert that went well though right because you saw yes Lizzo, like a weekend after. yes yeah <clears throat> so the weekend after we went up to San Francisco which is a lovely city. I do nice. like it. Um, it's expensive as hell, but it's oh, I'm very, sure. <laughs> it's very, it's like a fun place to visit. I think yeah. the vibes are cool there. Nice. Um, but yes, we went to Lizzo, which was, you would have loved that concert. I oh bet. my God. It was, uh, she literally, she is just there to have a good time with everybody else. <laughs> like she is in it just to have a nice time with us. And That's I good. loved it. It was so good. 
we had like a Lizzo therapy moment where she was oh. like, you guys are, you know, we, we, she was like, have therapy with me. And we're Aww. like, great. We're having therapy now. <laughs> this is perfect. It was, it, it was a really good, she had a really good concert. She's That's really awesome. good. I highly recommend going to see her if you can. Those seats were not front row. Those were those were like nosebleed seats and we had a blast. It was that's awesome. So cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you had at least one concert go well. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, yeah. I know. Yeah. It was also kind of nice because it we went to the concert as like normal people, like not as like crazed fangirls, you know? Right. And it was it was a very relaxing time. Like we got yeah. into the hotel and we like chilled and got ready and it was just a chill nice time which we desperately needed after the weekend before so well yeah with all the disappointment and the questions and like <laughs> yeah I get that well, that's awesome so, one good. for all good things all good one things. for two <laughs> we'll clear up Harry in January it'll be fine <laughs> oh my god I don't know it's exhausting just thinking about doing that again yeah. like I was fully prepared for everything that was about to happen and now I'm just like thinking about doing it again I'm just like I don't know I don't well, know but at least the chances of him being sick twice knock on wood is like maybe don't even put that like, out into the universe <laughs> absolutely not yeah so you should be fine be good yes yeah um so do you want to jump into a disclaimer or two about this yeah. particular episode? Because it's um a bit tricky for, <laughs> for you two. <laughs> so, right. So this episode is called Call the Medic, which I think is wildly inappropriate. Um, and <laughs> I do what I can. So I, I'm a nurse. We talked about this in a previous podcast. I'm a nurse mm -hmm. in my day job. We're having Tyler on because he is also a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about like nursing and patients and, you know, the whole medical healthcare experience that we've had. Right. So um, first of all, we, we are not giving medical advice on this. <laughs> show Let's be very okay clear. <laughs> you, you we're not doing it we're not doctors we don't absolutely not okay nope. so don't don't do don't take any of this as medical advice because it's not no. and the other thing is um you know we're gonna be talking about patients but we're gonna be going by HIPAA guidelines and all that stuff um we are it's gonna be great it's going to be fun. It's going to be super fun. No and um, we're, again, we're a place to like learn about things, but we also encourage you guys to do your own research. You guys know this. If you've been listening to the pod, um, Tyler, do you have anything else to add? Sure. So on the military side of it, uh, I'm a naval officer and as owned by the government, uh, I, I, yeah, what I state in this podcast and what I say is not the views of the government or the military or the Navy in particular. Um, they just, they pay me a salary and I try to serve my country as best I can, but uh, in no way, shape or form does this represent anything of the Navy or the uh, big pop of the government. So uh, that's right. Got it. it that way either. He represents himself and himself only. <laughs> love it yeah love that so independent with, uh, yeah you know 
apartment. He's a, he, he's an independent woman. Don't need no man. <laughs> no man. That's right. That's right. Um. All right, Kirsten, yeah. take us away with the good news. Let's do it. So, uh, since it is medical related, I figured it would only be correct to have medical related good news. Um. So let's see. We've got CAR T cell therapy. This is. Uh, chimeric antigen receptor T-cells. These are special T-cells as they're usually focused on for immunotherapies. Uh, and they've more recently been applied to lupus patients. So typically anything involving T-cells has to do with cancer research. They've now expanded into these smaller trials with lupus patients. And the good news right up front is there has been a 100% success rate with the CAR T cells in their lupus patient trials. So nice. Yeah. So what they've done, there's a four females and one male. All of them were diagnosed with untreatable lupus. And what they did is they gave infusions of these specific CAR T cells, hoping that they would go into remission. And they did, which, you know, <laughs> I kind of feel like never happens in medicine. That might be a little weird, but I feel like you do a lot of trial and error most times and you just kind of figure out what yes. sticks and sometimes it's half and half like, well, this works, but now they're experiencing this problem. <laughs> so right. this exactly. is really good. So the way that these CAR T cells work in order to aid these patients is in a cancer cell, they're typically targeting the cancer cells themselves. However, in these trials, what they're doing is targeting defective autoantibody-producing B cells. Um, and then by depleting the B cells and allowing those cells to recover on their own naturally, I think they said it was about four months after receiving treatment, um, the B cells were no longer creating uh, those autoantibodies in, in the patients. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So basically, this is great for lupus, obviously, and great for lupus patients as the trials of other patients continues. But it's also good for other autoimmune diseases that are dependent on B cells. And they're hoping that they can use this study to branch out into things like rheumatoid arthritis or systemic sure. sclerosis. Like there's tons of other diseases that use these B cells that, you know, could benefit from using the CAR T cells to treat them, which is great. Nice. Oh yeah. Do you know we about love CAR progress. T cells in your research? Um, not really. Yeah. I, I have not been, I've not been privileged enough to be an oncology nurse. So I'm not, I don't really know. I'm not familiar with a lot of the cancer stuff. I think the immune system is really fascinating. And oh, I definitely sure. feel like I feel like any progress we can make with autoimmune diseases, because there's so little options for patients now yeah. it's for, I think progress is always a positive thing for sure. Exactly. I would agree. Um, so moving into, uh, patients that may not even be born yet that are having issues. So there's obviously a lot of diseases that can happen in utero, uh, mm -hmm. for babies. Um, and then of course, once they're born, they may be experiencing some things that they might not be able to treat in utero and it's become a lot of problems. So they've got these pregnant mothers, uh, well, this one in particular is pregnant mother in Canada. Um, her unborn baby was diagnosed with Pompe disease, which I'd also never heard of before. Um, it rings a bell. Like, I feel like we right. covered it maybe briefly in nursing school or something, but I don't remember what it is. 
Yeah, I apparently it is a rare genetic disease that basically causes uh, the baby's heart to become compounded with, I think it's glycogen, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, all it does is it builds up in the heart and makes it difficult for the blood to start pumping to their body. That muscle mm-hmm. gets exhausted and then it can't carry out regular function. And it's really unfortunate because even though it is rare, it is almost 100% deadly to the infants that have it. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes they're born and they try to treat them after they're born with little success rate Um, but the good news comes because in this particular trial what they decided to do was use a treatment through the umbilical vein and the drug was called and forgive me i'm probably saying it wrong alglucosidase alpha and that sounds about right i think i nailed it (laughs) I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Um, But what they did is they used the umbilical cord's vein. Uh, They used six injections of this drug over a period of weeks. And the amazing thing is not only did it appear to uh, allow the birth to happen naturally with zero complications, but the child itself did not exhibit any disease um, related wow. to Pompe disease, and they're currently on track with normal developmental milestones as well. So nice. this is great news. <laughs> this is yeah. amazing news um, because you're taking, you know, babies that haven't even been born and allowing the treatment to go over and help them before they're even entering the world. So that's yeah. fantastic news. Definitely. Definitely ahead of the curve for sure. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the stress uh, having no children and not having been in that position. I can't imagine the stress of, you know, going through childbirth and then also having the stress of your child having a disease and they're not even here yet. So this is great news for this particular disease and maybe other diseases like it. I'm not really sure if this can be used elsewhere, but it, maybe it can. So. Yeah. I think it's interesting that they're using the umbilical cord mm-hmm. as like a transportation for a different mm-hmm. treat treatments. I think yeah. that's really cool. And I don't know how, I don't know if that's like a normal practice with other things or Me if either. this yeah. is like the first time they've tried it, but it's a really smart idea because the baby's getting all mm-hmm. their nutrients and everything through that anyway. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. So I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm also glad that it's safe for both the baby and the mother, because I'm sure that's a, a question every time you try something new, especially when it comes to, you know, utero stuff and you're trying to definitely treat diseases that way. So I'm sure there's like a moment of, oh, is this going to be good or bad? Right, right, <laughs> <You> exactly. <laughs> so this is good. Um, but my final piece of good news is kind of gross. <laughs> so all of that I'm ready. Oh, so should it, should we do the should we do the bodily fluid disclaimer right now? <laughs> if you're squeamish, okay. About bodily fluids. All right. So this is a podcast about medical things, mm-hmm. and we're nurses and Kirsten, Isn't and <laughs> there's gonna be yeah, we're gonna talk about bodily fluids. So I I would just <clears throat> go ahead and say don't listen to this while you're eating. I think that's a reasonable for most people. They can't handle that. Yeah. Um, just so just be aware. We're going to be talking about human feces and blood and spit and gross things. Delicious. So just get ready for it. All right. I feel like we're starting off pretty easy with a poop conversation. Yes. Go <laughs> for it, Kirsten. Yes. Uh, okay. So um, 
The FDA has recently approved a procedure that is called a gut microbiota transplant or fecal matter transplant. I've heard of this. It is exactly what you think it is. Oh, yeah, (laughs) it is. Um. So, but this is actually in light of something that we have actually talked about on a previous podcast called Superbugs. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to reiterate, these are not bugs and capes. These are diseases that have become antibiotic resistant. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're so great. Um, no, they're so terrible. And these particular superbugs in the gut have to do with Clostridium difficile. I'm assuming it's Cile, but um, so... Yeah. In in the medical field, we call this C. diff and we it's, hate it. It's and literally terrible. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's not cute at all for but anybody involved. As it's also not cute, it also causes like 30,000 deaths a year in the Correct. United States. It's it's gross and also deadly to many patients. Um, and it's because it's a super bug. So it's very antibiotic resistant. It's I'm, I'm assuming it's painful, uh, I guess, at some point or. So the know. patients that I've had that have this. So first of all, you get this more than likely and Tyler, like chime in if you want. Um, you get this if you have a lot of antibiotics and mm-hmm. you've depleted your ability, your body's ability to like have any good bacteria in your gut. Right. And um, so then that what results is like a ton of diarrhea is basically what it is. And a lot of people don't know that they have it, which is why I'm Mm -hmm. assuming it causes a lot of like deaths because people don't know that they have it because a common side effect of, you know, Mm -hmm. antibiotics is diarrhea. So they don't understand. So when in the hospital, when we get people who have it, it's a huge deal. Um, mostly because I think it's, it can sometimes be a hospital inquired infection just because Mm -hmm. we have you on a lot of high powered antibiotics. Um, but yeah, so as far as I know, it's not painful. It's just like really annoying and gross. And I'm sure it, I mean, when it, whenever you have something like that, it can cause, I'm sure, dehydration as well because you're constantly having to go and correct, you know, replenishing is probably difficult in a hospital setting. You're stressed and things like that. I'm sure they have, I mean, they've got IVs, but yeah, still, it's, it's it, difficult. It creates its own problem almost in that setting. So um, but the good news is uh, they have recently, and I say they, the FDA recently approved a procedure that would basically take a fecal sample from the gut of somebody that has healthy gut microbiota, mm-hmm. and they would transfer those microbes to the affected person. This is done via enema. And mm-hmm. while the previous studies that they've done have been in mice, they have been successful. And so what they're hoping to do with the FDA approval is to take this into obviously a human environment, standardize a treatment process to obviously treat C. diff patients and potentially other gut-related disease. So there's IBS. Um, I'm sure Crohn's might be on yep. the list. Uh, it is. UC it is. is on the list. I know I have UC. So it just, if there's ways to help the gut, I've I've actually heard recently, like within the last couple of months, I think it might've been another podcast, but they were talking about um, uh, obesity, weirdly enough. I know it's mm-hmm. a difficult topic these days. I mean, everybody uh, has their own views on, you know, bodies and things like that, but there is a medical, yeah. there's medical reasons in some cases that somebody cannot lose weight. And what they're finding is by studying 
the microbiota in someone who Mm -hmm. may be on the morbidly obese scale versus somebody who's considered, quote, healthy in the gut, Mm -hmm. there is a Mm -hmm. stark difference between their microbiota and they might be able to use this transplant process to reset the microbiota of someone who's having difficulty losing the weight. So yes. this is great news. <laughs> it it really is. is. It's good news. Yeah. And honestly, this is the more extreme. And I just Correct. recently, actually, weirdly enough, I just finished a book called The Good Gut. Ooh. And it's um, written by two PhDs in like gut health, basically. Okay. And they um, talk about like the ways that in America, we don't necessarily have the best gut health. Sure. Um, and you're the bacteria, good and bad that are in your gut really determines a lot of like the, your health and your body's responses to things and your weight and like all kinds of different things that we didn't really associate with that for a long time. So this is like fairly new science, but like the biggest thing is they recommend, you know, take your probiotics, you know, eat a lot of fiber, you know, have like good dietary practices and it really, it'll help you overall in your health. Like, right. And maybe if you are having difficulties, maybe this new thing with, you know, the transplant, maybe Mm -hmm. that becomes an option for people who are just really struggling and can't seem to do it with over-the-counter things. Definitely. So this is, this is good stuff. Yeah. That's all I have for good news this time. (laughs) Cool. I thought I like your good news. Thanks. Thanks. It's literally all medical. So <laughs> okay. this is all my, I can contribute uh, yeah. <laughs> Not in the medical world. I'll just look up other people's contribution. <laughs> I love it. No, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so we'll jump into the first half of this podcast now. Um, so I, I'm gonna, Tyler and I w- will give our background of like what we do um, Tyler, do you want to go first and like your start from when you graduated school and then all your nursing jobs from there? Okay. Uh, so I graduated Lynchburg College, now Lynchburg University in 2016. And before I joined, I was waiting, joined and got into uh, Austin Development School. I had a summer job kind of waiting for that transition. And I was at a um, Episcopal Church camp nurse and it was kind of overwhelming I had 200 plus children from 12 and under plus probably about 30 or 40 staff members um I had the highest nursing license insurance that I could possibly buy yeah I know that's good that's good (laughs) first gig gotta protect yourself uh but it was it was it was a great uh experience needless to say and so I did that for a few weeks and then got the phone call to uh, go to training and start the Navy career Um, so did officer of school for five weeks learned basic officership of you know how to be in the military what to dress with you know all that stuff sure and then went to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center from September 2016 through August 2019. Yeah. And And what what patient populations did you work with there? So a vast uh, first year was doing pediatric nursing. Kind of cut my teeth there, as I say. And then um, they have a pretty good program there. When you're a new nurse, you kind of 
bounce from unit to unit for the first like six months trying to just kind of get your range of clinical skills that's and knowledge cool. yeah it was kind of yeah. kind of cool and then you settled in one spot so did the peds nursing for a year and then went to a medical surgery neurologic unit um or the neuro unit um and kind of did a range of post-surgical um stroke seizures yeah kind of thing really only from what i know now we're the only um where you do video eegs so video oh, uh yeah uh electro whatever whatever um, so, so eeg for those who are not aware isn't that kind of like brain mapping sort of you wear like the helmet with all the leads on it yep and so you can see your brain waves and see if you're having a seizure they kind of they all sync up and your brain kind of goes uh -huh. through these motions of uh, electrical activity. Um, cool. So we had, I think we had about two or three rooms that we could set up to do that. And we were the only military medical facility that, that does that. Um, cool. So we get patients all across the world that may or may not have seizures and their beneficiaries. Um, so that was kind of, our unit was kind of set up for that. And then we did some uh, distinguished visitors um which i won't kind of get into but we did any fancy kind of military people yeah fancy <laughs> military or you know congressional government people as well or so. yeah because walter reed is in maryland so it's like really close to dc yep so we took took care of some pretty um famous and very prestigious honorable people and their family members as well so um looking back at it, it was kind of cool in that part and then Got out of Walter Reed, went to uh, Pensacola, Florida, and was a ambulatory procedure unit, post-anesthesia care unit. And that's what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super fun. And uh, we did sedation work for colonoscopies and dental procedures as well. So we had an endoscopy suite as well. So um, nice. It's kind of like four units all in one. And it was kind of, it was, it was pretty cool. And then nice. after there, um left Pensacola and went to back to officer development school as an instructor so now I'm on the flip side of that coin six seven years later to to train new uh you know staff corps and new officers coming in so so everybody that you're training is like a medical professional already right and then they go into the military that's most of the most of the students, we do have, um, you know, engineers, we do have um, cyber crypto people, we have um, industrial hygienists, cool. you, you kind of name it, we have, we have it in some aspects. Uh, we have people coming from different branches, we have people coming from being enlisted to officers, so. Nice. Um, okay, so it's kind of, of a mixed have, bag. Yeah, most of them have military or uh, medical experience, but there it's a range yeah cool yeah. cool 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 awesome and uh, so you do something okay. a little bit similar <laughs> at least for one of those you do uh the after surgery care right yeah so my nursing career is much shorter than tyler's um because i got a full degree in chemistry before i decided i wanted to be a nurse because i thought i was going to be a doctor it's a whole thing um we'll get <laughs> into awesome. it later um <laughs> But 
I, so I graduated nursing school in May of 2020. So like two months after the pandemic started, basically, <laughs> Great um, super fun. Love that for me. Um, so, and I started on a med surge orthopedic, orthopedic trauma unit. So we got, you know, what I tell people is I, we got a lot of old little ladies that <laughs> broke their hip and we got a lot of gunshot wounds oh and there's no in between <laughs> extremes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, but it was, it was really, it was a really great first job. Shout out to orthopedic trauma <laughs> at Riverside. Um, and I, you know, I, I had really good people like teaching me and it was just, it was a good, it was traumatic for sure, sure. because, you know, the pandemic was happening and we got floated to the COVID units and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but, um, it was, it felt like we were a good crew, you know? Um, and then Chris got orders to come out to California. And so I recently started a job at, in a post anesthesia care unit as well. So, and we're outpatient facility. So, um, you know, we get a lot of people who come in for, to get their tonsils out, like kids. Mm. Um, we get people who need like minor knee surgeries and just like, if you have like a weird lump and you need to get it removed, <laughs> yeah. they do that. You know, it's just like a bunch of different things. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like, um, different experiences. It sounds like. Yeah. yeah. This is my first time working with kids though. And it's, mm. it's interesting. It's yeah. real, especially when they come out of anesthesia, like you're not really sure like what they're going to do. <laughs> That's the fun part. Right. It's plenty of like TikToks. their whole beds are like padded and you're just like, <laughs> okay, we're bracing for impact. <laughs> I love it. Definitely a ticking time bomb. Um, oh yeah. Oh I'm yeah. Throwing, and everyone's like mothers and fathers into that bed with the children. Oh to yeah. Stop them from hurting themselves. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. It's like, you make sure that they're stable, you go get mom, and then you just hope they don't wake up until the very end. That's great. I love that stress for you. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's super fun. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. Um, so let's see. Tyler, what, what, why did you want to become a nurse? Why do you I can say to... the money? It's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, in the in military, we do get paid pretty well for as a, as a nurse um, compared to what we'd be doing in the civilian sector. But sure. I think that that comes with a lot of other different responsibilities that maybe the civilian population doesn't have to deal with. Um, but think I think it kind of goes back down to you know growing up my mom had breast cancer and kind of we went through that whole process and um you know she was always a big advocate of just trying to take care of people that you you love and um you know going through college I wanted originally wanted to be an x-ray tech uh and nice. community college they had an x-ray tech program and um Generally, you had to apply to it twice, and I applied to it once, didn't get picked up, but it was either doing another year of community college or taking all the classes of what a, you know, pre-med or pre-nursing program would do, mm -hmm. and then going to a regular university and yeah. a nursing degree, and uh, I just kind of thought, okay, well, seeing what the x-ray texts do, uh, I've shadowed them several times, 
And if there's ways to move up in the x-ray world, but generally you start in a room, a dark room, and you sit there for five years or more trying to move up to CT or MRI or ultrasound. Um, I just didn't know what I could do from there of really trying to hands on for patient care. Yeah. And um, already had all the classes. I had the knowledge and I was just kind of willing to jump and go for the the whole bachelor degree. And I didn't know if I was really going to make it. So, But do you think that you made the right choice moving away from x-ray and just going into full-blown nursing? Um, I don't think there was a wrong choice. I mean, x-ray tech world, um, it's, it's really good. It, those, those people are really smart. They know, they know their stuff and, uh, they're usually a great group of people that I, I've seen. Um, it's just a different pathway. There's really, I don't yeah. think there's a right or wrong way about it. I think going nursing world led me to do my other dream, which was join the Navy and be a, a naval officer. And I couldn't yep. do that as an x-ray tech because being a naval officer, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Sure. So, um, you know, there's other ways of being in the, uh, you know, x-ray world and doing um, that kind of work in the Navy, but just it's just it's a little bit longer process anyway and so what about yeah. you Blair what are what's your foundation you know of for deciding on nursing I mean you said that you were thinking of doing something else but ended up doing this instead so what what was your thought process yeah so um initially going into college like I'd always known that I wanted to be in the medical field like mm -hmm. that was definitely something and like honestly I'm not even gonna lie Grey's Anatomy like <laughs> had a little bit of an impact there, nice. even though it's totally unrealistic and doctors would never do what those doctors do. <laughs> um, I like, I, during that time I was like, Oh, this looks like fun. Like I want to help people. I want to impact people's lives. You know, I want to meet people where they are and just like, and make sure that they're not having a terrible time, you know, like that's, that was like the motivation. And originally I wanted to be a doctor. Um, mm -hmm which, you know, I was 20 in college yeah. and I didn't really realize the amount of, I didn't know the full impact of like sure. the amount of schooling and yeah. the, just like, it's so competitive, you yeah, know, so and expensive. I, and expensive, right. Very exactly. Expensive. Yeah. Exactly. So then my brain was like, okay, well I can fix this. I can be a PA. Let yeah. me be a PA. And so I actually graduated um, and got like a job as a nursing assistant while I was waiting to hear back, um, from PA schools and stuff. And none of them wanted me. Um, cause again, it's also like super competitive. Um, and my grades just weren't like where they needed to be. Like they were good, but they weren't expert level, you know? Um, so, um, so then I was kind of like, okay, well, I need to get a job, like a real job that pays real money so that I can move <laughs> out of my parents' thing. house. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I have all the classes. I have more than enough schooling for nursing school. Let me just do that. And so I applied to nursing school, got in, and then the rest is history. And I'm actually like really happy that it worked out that way. I think it all worked out the way that it was supposed to yeah. um, because I hate 
the amount of time that doctors and PAs have to spend with, like they spend no time with their patients Yeah, and it's not their fault. And it's definitely not, you know, it's, they, they care, they do, but it's just the way that it is. And like the way that their job is structured. And I would much rather be at a nursing level and really like know what's going on, you know, and like have that time with my patients to make them feel better and like talk about their problems and like better treat them, you know? And would you say that that's kind of like one of your favorite parts of being a nurse or do you have other aspects that you like more? Like, what do you like? What do you like? So I love being, well, I love being a nurse. It's kind of a love hate relationship sometimes. (laughs) Um, but I think my favorite part is just like when there's this feeling that you get when you've educated your patient, you've said, this is what you need to do to get better. Mm -hmm. And I'm sending you out into the world and like (laughs) you, you can do it. Like, I know that you can, like if they, if somebody comes in with like a broken leg or whatever, and you've, they've got all their bandages, you know, they're, they're all set, you know, you've done everything you can to like help them. And now they're like ready. Mm -hmm. They feel confident and they're ready to like make themselves better. It's like such a good feeling. Um, the other thing I really like, and this is a little bit more specific is, um, I really like putting in IVs. That's gross. I I love putting in IVs. You know how I feel about needles, (laughs) you know, it's my favorite thing. And when everyone else can't get the IV and I get the IV, There is, there is, (laughs) it is unparalleled. It's like winning a soccer game and you hit like the winning goal or something like that, or you could kick the winning goal. It's, it's unparalleled. It's so good. It's everything. Um, uh, Do you agree with the sentiment, Tyler? Yeah. I mean, IVs are a really good tool for us to administer medication and keep people hydrated. It's really, really important that um, some patients get a critical IV and mm-hmm. when there are certain nurses on your floor that can get IVs, um, they're huge help to the team and um, critical for that patient. Um, I, I trained on doing ultrasound IVs. I which, almost did that, but we had to move, but I wanted yeah, to do it's, that. Um, so ultrasound IV, it's basically the same tool that we use to look at, uh, you know, babies in womb and, um, we can see your vein open and close and where that kind of tracks. And we put a really long needle into your arm. Just so you know, Kirsten is gagging. <laughs> she is not having a good time. <laughs> we'll put it in your like bicep or foot sometimes, not in ultrasound usually, but um, I mean, it's leg, been done. <laughs> wrists, wherever you can. And yeah. um, it's really cool to see the needle pick up on the ultrasound and go into the vein and for you know kirsten's freaking out but the it's good in the hospital setting if you can get an ultrasound iv you know it's good you know it's in the vein yeah it's gonna be there longer yeah um and you know that's even better than what we call like a blind stick or um Mm -hmm. you know just a peripheral iv now you have an ultrasound deep vein that's going to last a lot longer for the patient and yeah um, and it's good for patients that don't have any veins left you know because people stay you know in the hospital for a long time sometimes and after you get stuck many times it gets to be 
<laughs> very terrible for the patient and you don't have anywhere else to go. So ultrasound is a really like important tool for sure. Yeah. Especially for the, for the population that we're getting in. Uh, and I haven't been in the hospital for about a year and a half now, but populations that we're getting in are a little bit, what we say, fluffier, larger set people. True. And um, you, it's much more difficult to get a peripheral IV on those, those uh, people. Uh, their veins are just deep and yeah. you can't reach them with a normal stick. So yeah, your, your needle's not long enough sometimes. Yeah. And I can honestly say, you know, I'm gagging aside because ugh, just the image makes me queasy. So for all the other squeamish people listening to the podcast, still good for you. We are holding it together. Uh, but I can, I can attest to having a good nurse, having had to do many procedures over the years. I have had the worst uh, and I have had the best. And I can honestly say the best make a world of difference when you as a patient are already going through anxiety about being there in the first place. And then also knowing that you're about to have a meltdown because you yeah. know, I've had, I've had experiences where I've had to be stuck six times before somebody got it. And, right. And it's traumatic for everyone. So. I feel like a lot of people have those stories yes. and I, and I get <laughs> like a lot of my patients now, you know, mm-hmm. don't haven't had to get IVs very often. And when they have, it's, it's been a story that. like that where it's yeah. like, oh, I got stuck like eight times and it was terrible. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, this is the deal I'm going to make you right now <laughs> Right. is I'm going to look and mm-hmm. see if you have any good veins. Right. And if you don't, if I physically cannot see any veins on your arm mm-hmm. after I have like tapped you and like put the tourniquet on and warmed your hand and like all of my little tricks, then I will not stick you and I will find somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and other than that, I'm only going to stick you twice. Right. Exactly. That's, that's the deal. And then you move on to somebody else, but like, yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good, it's, that's a pretty good rule to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think it calms people down because they don't, they just, yeah. I feel like sometimes people feel like pin cushions and I don't want you to feel like a pin cushion. I definitely did that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely a moment where I remember they brought in the the nurse that's been there since the 80s and like lives and breathes the hospital and she saunters in and I'm like where were you like 20 sticks ago right (laughs) right and she like walked in I was like this close to like just saying just go get my husband he can probably do it faster but she walked in she was like having a rough day and I was like yeah I had a really rough day and she like she just talked to me and by the time she finished the conversation the needle had been in for like three minutes and it like instantly fixed everything <laughs> we love that we yeah. love that <laughs> and with your iv six and your new pediatric patients that you have mm-hmm. how are you dealing with the family members and the parents on that one so we actually are fortunate enough where we don't put in ivs on anyone like younger than five we have the anesthesiologists oh. do it they'll like do it after they're out in the or oh, okay that makes which sense. is because it's outpatient we don't want to cause any other like more trauma than there's already going to be you know they're in a medical setting um so we typically after they've been out for a while anesthesia will do it which is nice that's really that nice. nice yeah yeah um a little bougie to be honest but uh, <laughs> kind of hey you know whatever okay. works i mean yeah. yeah honestly and sometimes like depending on like if they're just getting tubes put in usually they just use gas anyway and they're not they don't need an iv you know that's nice yeah so With that though uh, between the two of you, um, do you guys prefer hospital work or do you prefer having the outpatient work? Like, I don't, whoever wants to. 
chime in. Tyler, you can go first. It's it's hard to say um, because there's pros and cons in either one of them. Sure. I agree. Um, but I agree. The outpatient's a little nice just because um, you know, you're not having to bring in another set of staff members to come in and like relieve you for the day or yeah, or maybe you're the night shift staff member that's coming in. Right. Um but you 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 know, hospital side, you actually get to develop a really good relationship with some of your patients. Um yeah. because you yep. spend days on, weeks on, months on sometimes with these patients. True. So it's difficult to say. I mean, it just kind of depends on the nurse and what your style is. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I like will your say weekends and holidays and you're probably going to like the <laughs> right. outpatient side. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listener who is not fully aware, um, patient is like nine to five. You get all your weekends and holidays off. It's like, you know, any regular job. Um, and then in the hospital setting, it's usually 12 hour shifts. Some hospitals are more flexible than that, but usually it's 12 hour shifts and you work three days a week, which sounds <laughs> lovely. But let me tell you, if, if you don't know what nurse hangover is, it's like being hungover without drinking anything. It's awful. Um, especially so, if you do like night shifts. That's only three days a week, but like how many times out of that week do you get a call right. to come in and right. work an extra shift or right. pick up something? So I'd never guarantee three days a week. <laughs> right. Um, that's huge misconception. Oh, like you well, only work and, three days a week. Well, no, I work actually like five. <laughs> well, and the <laughs> other thing is, is like, you don't necessarily work your three days in a row and then you're done off for four days. Right. Usually it's like, one day on one day off one day on one day off or it's like two days in a row and then you have a day off and then you're working two more days or like whatever it is you know it's it's weird yeah and I think I I like both like you do Tyler I think I like the hospital setting is nice because you do get those patient relationships I think it's easier to get burnt out Mm -hmm. in a hospital setting And I think that you really have to be conscious and take care of yourself in order to do that for a long period of time, especially in this like post COVID world we're living in. Um, And I, but like, I could see myself doing PACU like post anesthesia for like years and years and years and like never feeling like it's awful or I need to take a break or anything like that. Cause you know, you have your time off. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, if you want your skills to develop as a right. medical provider, then the hospital is it. Right. Uh, but if you want to save your back and and uh, yeah, have a more balanced lifestyle, especially as you get older uh, as, as a medical provider, then yeah, outpatient's the way to go. Yeah. I, and that's I, the other and thing. And that's my opinion. That's... I Well, and I miss the hospital because I feel like you on the daily, you get more like cool things and you learn more and it just, it's like a more stimulating environment. But also I definitely, after just working two years in the hospital, I felt really burnt out afterwards. Like I was ready to take a little break. You know, it was, it was a lot. Um, so, so yeah, I give it up to those nurses that do that like hospital life for 30, 40 years. Well, and I would do it. 
I would talk to these older nurses on my unit who, you know, had been there since the dawn of time or whatever. And they, they, they were like, it didn't used to be like this. It used to be more fun and cool. And it didn't. And like, honestly, and this is maybe controversial. I'm not sure, but I really feel like the hospital, um, business model now is like burn people out. So you don't have longevity in your nursing staff. And then because it's cheaper, you know, it's cheaper oh. to hire travelers. You don't have to give them benefits. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper to hire new grads. Cause they're, you know, they don't have any skills or knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, they just need a job. And so then it doesn't really matter what happens to them two years down the road. Right. Um, so you just keep hiring those turnover people and you don't develop any kind of like culture and patient care goes down and outcome goes down and it's like a whole thing. So, and I just feel like that's really not a productive way to run hospitals, but that's just my opinion. Well, I mean, and too, it's, it's population as well. If I, if I remember correctly, I saw in the news, I think last week that we have now tipped over into the eight category. We're not at, you know, 7 billion, we're at eight trillion people now. And I'm sure, you know, cities have become more densely populated People are finding it harder to, you know, find spaces that aren't occupied on the planet. So if you're looking at it from that perspective as well, we as a population have also grown. And of course, what happens when you have more people, uh, you probably have more people that are sick and there's more people encountering sick people who are now also sick. Right. So, and the older generation is like the biggest like generation we've seen so far. Yeah. And then our generation is going to be. Mm-hmm. another really big generation so we're gonna have to like figure out how to equip medical mm-hmm. facilities for this you know it's yeah so and anyway not to be a drag <laughs> but like well, there's been epidemics obviously as well that has probably influenced that uh <laughs> greatly so yeah COVID's yeah. a good factor all I'm saying is if you want your nurse to like be stick you the first time encourage your hospitals to like keep nurses on for more than two years that's all i'm saying yeah exactly (laughs) exactly all right um do we want to take a break i feel like we've been talking for a little bit yeah let's take a little break um and then we'll bring it back and give you more of the nursing goodness (laughs) yay yay hey Hey. we're the the husbands husbands of of mediocre mediocre content. content bringing you an ad segment that's missing well an ad this is a break brought to you by us because we're the only ones crazy enough to sponsor this thing if you'd be interested in sponsoring the mediocre content podcast and we understand if you aren't contact our mediocre wives at mediocre content podcast at gmail.com for now enjoy this brief break from the podcast before we throw you back into more unimportant dare we say Mediocre content. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a good break. We are back at it with our two nursing specialists over here who are so knowledgeable (laughs) and have so much experience. Um, And we're going to talk about some favorites and least favorites and... um, 
let's just get started. Let's go to Blair. We've got your favorite patient and your least favorite patient and the big old why. <laughs> okay. So I thought of, when I was typing this episode out, I like mm. thought about it a lot and it, I, I have a, I have a few favorite patients and the characteristics of my favorite patients were the ones that I would walk into the room and they just make me feel very like, like they're, they want to make sure that I'm okay, which yeah. is very nice. Yeah, that is nice. They, um, Tyler, what are you doing? We're making sure our stories are appropriate. Oh, anyway. got it. Continue. Got it. Um, so my, so one lady, she like offered, she was like best friends with all of us on the unit. And we would all like talk about her. Like she was part of the staff and she's just so she, she like broke her leg or something like that. Um, I know, I know, but she, and she was with us for a while because she had to do like a bunch of traction and a couple of like, she had a big, um, uh, X fix. So like an external fixator for, what? for the, for people who don't know what that is. Um, it's basically when they put, um, metal bars through your leg Ugh. and then it on the inside, it's like holding your bone together so it can heal. Mm. And then you have it on for however long the surgeon wants it on. Mm. And then they, um, take it off That's and delightful. put a cast on. And it's, uh, it's an experience. <laughs> That's an understatement. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so she was with us for a little while and then she came back to get her ex fix taken out. And, um, but yeah, she was, she was super great. And she was like, you guys were, I'm going to have a party and we're all going to like go over to my house and it's going to be super great. And she just like loved all of us. And just going in her room was like a ray of sunshine. It was wonderful. Can I just clarify this person left with metal rods stuck in their leg? Yeah. The so they don't, they don't leave. So they don't necessarily go home. Sometimes they do, but, um, they, they usually go to like a rehab facility where they do like oh. physical therapy and stuff. Okay. <laughs> she just walking around. Yeah. Like sorry. I, I should have clarified. No, most mm -hmm. of the time they go to like a place where they do a lot of physical therapy okay. and then they come back. So that way they're not like sitting at home, just like, you know, not taking care of yeah their leg and everything. So, okay, and then, cool. oh, I also had another patient who, this is kind of gross. He was like, he was a favorite patient of mine and he, um, so he is a police officer in his day job, mm -hmm. but he, um, got this accident by like falling off of a, he was cutting trees and like fell Oh and yeah, so he was up really high and he mm -hmm. fell and he like landed on a branch and it like ripped, oh. um, from this is, uh, I don't know if I should say this. Maybe, maybe not. not. Please don't. <laughs> anyway, he sustained, he sustained some really bad injuries. Right. And so he was bad. in the hospital with us for like 40 days or something like that. And he, with the, with the wound care clinic and um, the doctors who helped the orthopedic surgeons who helped mend all of his bones and the wound care clinic people, um, 
he was able to make a full recovery and he wow. visited us he visited us on the unit like three months later and was like walking and running and like doing everything that he would normally do but he was really broken when we oh, first it sounds like, like admitted did. him he but he was such a nice guy and his wife was so nice and everybody and he just had like such he was willing to do the work to like get right. to make his recovery good and mm-hmm. you know make it quick Mm. and he just he did so well and it's just so easy to have patients who are like willing to like heal themselves or like do what they need to do in order to make it happen you know it's like much it makes our jobs much easier so but there are a few perhaps that do not do that uh do you have any uh least favorite incidences perhaps so um I'm going to say typically the ones that I like the least are surprisingly not the grumpy old men. I am a grumpy old man whisperer. Like they are, (laughs) they like me for some reason. And however, it is the ones that bring drugs and guns and like things into the hospital that they're not supposed to bring. And they have people who are like funneling extra medications to them and things like that. That happened. In my, like we, one time, um, we had a patient who ordered McDonald's and his friend like brought it to him, but we, his friend didn't come inside. He just left it at the front desk. And so we went down and got it and we like checked before and there was drugs in it. There was drugs in the McDonald's. I wonder if that was extra. That's great. It And so like those, they have to pay for that. $50 for cocaine in your burger. (laughs) Would you like a toy with your meal? Oh, God. (laughs) But like those, and like, was doing, or like, not Uber, but like what a lot of those delivery driver, you know, food vendors were doing, right? Oh, really? In the middle of a pandemic, like people couldn't get out and get their drugs. Oh. They were delivering their yeah not all of them i don't know no but but i'm talking i'm talking about i'm not talking about prescription drugs i'm talking like hard drugs no no that's what i mean yeah yeah some people were getting delivery weed from through like doordash (laughs) i wonder if that was also extra (laughs) like you tip the driver much you can get whatever you want i guess i don't know but like those patients and like one time we found like bullets and a knife and like all kinds of other stuff like in this guy's cabinet in his room and one and at the outpatient center there was a um a patient who brought a gun in his like jacket pocket and he didn't he wasn't going to do anything with it he he was just like someone who wanted who had a concealed carry or whatever and like wanted but he didn't tell anybody about it and we're like I like picked up his jacket and brought it into the room not knowing that there was like a gun in there <laughs> meanwhile Blair's just like da, da, da. Get yeah. his and, he like, and he like freaked out he I freaked out that like I touched his stuff he was being really weird about it and I'm just like bro if you just told us that you had a gun we right. would not like we would not do anything about it you know what I mean we just need to know um so those patients are the ones that are my least favorite because it poses a safety problem for me and the people around me and we're just trying to help these people out you know we're not really trying we're I'm not trying to like catch a drug charge or anything and at work you know what I mean (laughs) like I have stuff to do yeah, no, that's I don't know. So those are my least favorite patients. I feel like okay. all right to keep it well, broad. 
Yeah, that's pretty broad. <laughs> um, right. no drugs or guns around Blair. Don't do that. Um, all right, Tyler. Not at work. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. What about you? You got a favorite or a least and or a least favorite, I guess. Yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, favorite or just people with a sense of humor, I uh, think. Uh, you can make me laugh while, you know, we're going through, both of us going through a difficult time uh that that helps you know kind of i don't know nurses have sense of or dark sense of humor anyway and so we do we uh we appreciate when the patients have that similar dark sense of humor Mm -hmm. or you know do some crazy stuff and then we kind of laugh at it later yeah Um, sometimes but like i have one family uh from a patient that passed away and they you know years later now and they still will send me emails once in a while or write me a card um, and i you know when you can integrate into their family uh you know some of them called me you know a redhead stepchild or whatever he's a redhead too uh, for the listener you know i, I think that you know you, you have to you have to appreciate that you know you really make an impact on some of these people's lives for their the rest of their life as a nurse or as somebody that's close to their family members so um those are the ones that you kind of look back in your career um and you're able to you're able to kind of look fondly upon but um but least favorites least favorite <laughs> the opposite of the touchy-feely goodness so i'll do it in two parts right so first was pediatric patients uh the kids are fantastic right yeah i I don't think I've ever met a kid that I'm just like, I don't want to take care of them. Uh, but the families and the parents of some of these these kids and that I thought I would never have to deal with because of the military side of the house. But they're still in the military. Like, you're still going to have people that abuse their kids. You're still going to have people that have neglect their kids in the military. Yeah. And those people I despise, right? If you That's don't have, fair. There's so many ways to not have children nowadays um and for you to have a child and then you abuse them and neglect them uh i just have no sympathy for so that being said some of those parents i i couldn't couldn't really deal with um yeah that's one of the reasons that i didn't initially go into pediatrics um or i and i can't do like uh mother baby stuff either for that reason i just I would feel so terrible sending a baby home with their mom who's not wow. everybody knows is not yeah. willing to do anything for them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes and, and yeah, sometimes I mean it's mom is the whole family that's against that child or whatever it is. But yeah. um, you know, a lot of nurses don't want to go into pediatric nursing because they have to stick the children, they have to, you know, do things that make the child uncomfortable. Uh I got over that pretty quickly, needless to say. Um you do have to stick these babies multiple times, you know, turn them into a pin cushion if necessary to, to do the treatment. So, um, but it's the that, outside factors, right? It's not the it's, patient. It's dealing with yeah. the, the families that are, and a lot of times in the, in the military and the medical scene, anyway, you might see that parents are not doing what they need to be doing, but there's nothing you can do. Right. Um, and that's, right, that's exactly a, that's a secondary problem that I have. But um, the other part, my least favorite patients are um, one that are uh, 
abusive to the nurses. So a lot of times yeah. as a male nurse, I would get called in and be like, hey, this patient's saying inappropriate comments to me or yeah. they're yelling, cussing at me. Can you take them? Yeah. Absolutely. I will take them from you. And um, the last thing a lot of these these patients, female or male, would want is a male nurse mm. a lot of times. See, that that's what always irks me about. <laughs> like, I love I love the male nurses. Like, every male nurse I've ever worked with has been just the MVP. Like, yeah. it's wonderful. But it just bugs me as that like yeah. people automatically respect men more in those kind of situations and it just bothers me yeah. i just i don't, I don't, I don't know if they fair. respected me any more than a female i just knew <laughs> that they wouldn't they wouldn't well they're not gonna BS mess around me yeah, yeah. right but exactly their attitude exactly. would completely change when i walk in the room yeah. exactly um, and you know you don't want to piss off tyler nurse in your room <laughs> because you 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 know, verbally assaulted one of my nurses. Uh, and when I say my nurse, like a lot of times I'll be charged nursing or sure. Yeah. Uh, the senior nurse on deck. So, um, or on a corpsman, like you were or, on or a cor- ship, like a corpsman <laughs> of mine, right? Like, you gotta say it like you're in the middle. I was on the ship for a couple weeks, right? <laughs> uh, oh my God. On but, deck. On but, deck. Excuse yeah, me, sir. Uh, we're on land. <laughs> here we go. He gets confused. He gets confused. <laughs> But yeah, or you like mess with my corpsmen or medics, yeah. like the oh, yeah. junior enlisted people uh, that are really trying to help you. I have no sympathy for, and you are my um, my least favorite patients by far. I'll still take care of you. You'll still save your life, but uh, right, yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. very, um, I don't know, it's very annoying. And we had um, several patients that you know try to use their rank, mm. especially retired rank none of the active duty people or reservists would ever try to do this stuff but once you retire i don't know if you're still trying to feel like you're in the military but you start using your rank oh, and then yeah they expect some kind of certain privileges or certain um customs and courtesies to still be rendered to them and we play along right but i'm not gonna treat you any different just because you're retired whatever whatever yeah yeah um, so uh, that bothers me a little less, but it still does play a part, uh, especially. Not, I mean, you know. we would, we, we would get people who were in the military. It did, I don't even know like what rank they were or whatever. Sure. And they would be like, well, you know, I, I deserve better care because of X, Y, and Z, or, <laughs> you know, somebody yeah. who was related distantly to somebody who was in the hospital administration or whatever would come in. And right. I mean, I, I, I like to think my standard of care is pretty high, like in general. Yeah, um, but I'm not like I don't really care. Like I'm gonna treat everybody the same. I don't really care. You know, job, I I don't. Well, because your job is to fix whatever is going on in in the environment and do everything that you can to meet the patient's needs so that they can be right. discharged and go out into the world right. and be healthy and live healthy lives. But your job right. is is that's it. That's the baseline. Right. Make sure that you're, I'm going to do a good job for my patient. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Regardless, you don't have to tell me that you like know somebody like I, we're going to, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. Like don't worry. We can save this conversation. You don't need to. Yeah. Now with that, you had your favorite and your least favorite. What is the weirdest 
or maybe grossest thing you've ever had to do as a nurse thus far? Let's go, Blair. What you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> and also understand that I'm sensitive and there may be other sensitive people on the call. <laughs> um, okay. Well, are you struggling? No, it's just like, I'm just trying to like... <laughs> I'm trying to like tone it down a little bit, but I don't know. Okay. We'll see. Ne- um, Never mind. Just go, go for broke. You're fine. <laughs> Just let it loose. Okay. Well, this is a weird thing. So I've had many patients, like, especially ones who have dementia and ones oh. who are above the age of 70 mm. do a lot of really weird things. But the one, the weirdest thing, which it was a whole like learning process for me when I became a nurse is that people above the age of like, let's say 75 Mm. obsessed with pooping every day. Oh, I love that. Obsessed. (laughs) They like for those, for those who don't know when you have surgery and you have anesthesia, it like slows down your whole, Mm. like your body basically just like goes to sleep. And so the last thing to like wake up essentially is your bowels. So you're, if you don't, it is not abnormal for you to not poop for a couple of days after surgery. Okay. (laughs) Like that's not an abnormal thing. And these people, these old people are sitting out here. They're like, can I please have an enema? I haven't gone to the bathroom in 12 hours and I just need to go. Otherwise I'm just going to be, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I had, I had a woman (laughs) beg me for an enema. And like a tap water enema where we're like injecting oh. like water yeah, in her butt. Trust, I've had one. It's not pleasant. <laughs> I got you. And it's like <laughs> every, says, Bring it on. Every, <laughs> every old person is like a lot of old people are like this. They sure. like have to go every day or it's like the, the world is ending. You know what though? Sure. I would love to know if there are individuals who listen to the podcast who are within that age group what's the obsession like what's got you bent you know like are you yeah concerned you'll never know. poop again like, right is there like a medical reason <laughs> that you are like no if I don't do it now it will never happen again I would just well, love to know honestly you know I'm very nice about it I'm very sure. you know like this is normal. This is totally normal. <laughs> you are I can fine. get you, I can get you a stool softener. I can get right. you some Miralax. Exactly I can, I you know, thinking. we don't need to Broom immediately juice. escalate to enema. Like I <laughs> just get it done. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about just... you? Uh, you? You got any poop stories? <laughs> what is, okay. I'll back up. Grossest, weirdest, coolest. What oh, you got? one other thing. One other thing. Yeah. Um, have you ever had anyone ask you to warm up prune juice for them? Yeah. Ew. Okay. It's all right. Like, we used to I... do like we used to do what is it the Walter Reed we did um, prune champagne which is like warm prune juice and Sprite Ugh. and then oh. a little bit of Miralax in it. And <laughs> okay. It wonders. I. That's a great idea. Actually, yeah. we used to I mix love that. all those like all those. Yeah. You know, well, and together, Max Citrate. Also, oh that. God, Max yeah. Citrate is nasty. It's the golden champagne of, of <laughs> constipation, right there. The gold standard. <laughs> Max um, get you going. I know, I know. Um, I so one other thing too, if to get somebody to pee, one of the nurses told me to give them 
tea with a little bit of sugar in it. And that like mm. usually gets people to pee. Why? I don't know why. Like sweet tea. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. I don't but it's like warm. But yeah. You know. I've never had people I never had problems with people peeing as much really? as you think. Like oh. You know, whether to catheter like to uh, do a catheter yeah. or not. Um, um not as much. Maybe a few patients, but it wasn't oh. really a <clears throat> we got that all the time, really? especially after surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. We just wait them out. I wonder <laughs> just wait them out. Not, I mean, not in my job now, but in the right. hospital, in right, the right, hospital right, right. with the major surgeries and stuff. Curious about the tea, honestly. Like- yeah. I don't know what that is, but she said it works a lot of the time. Sure that, that's just like a little nurse hack. I don't no, know. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it does work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's weird. Anyway, I'll keep fun in fact mind in case I'm ever having issues. Um, Oh, what she got uh, for your yeah, this weirdest or coolest? Yeah, um, looking right back at my notes from because I, I write <laughs> notes, notes about like not patients' names or anything, but just funny stories yeah. from from when I was like on the floor working in that and in, in the trench, as I would say. <laughs> the but deck, I, the I, I look at this one that says. Marijuana HIV positive guy with neurocephalus running around swinging his urinal and trying to drink it. Laying on his back, butt ass naked, peeing in the air, trying to catch it in his mouth. That is disgusting. Why would you make a phone in your phone? You're like, I'm going to need this for later. So I think this guy, he was one of the ones that we see all the time, but he was getting, he got laced marijuana oh no and he already had hiv yeah and then he was having this neurocephalus which makes basically like psychotic yeah being like right. hallucinations and all the yeah all the other stuff so isn't that like water on the brain or something like that it's or no? um that's it's inflammation yeah inflammation it's, okay it's inflammation um and i remember coming in that shift and my nurses were like kind of shaking the head like oh you got a good one tonight and and then this guy i love it when they do that everyone yeah. in day shift is just like guess what we have for you yeah. <laughs> well because you're like coming in all fresh and they've been you know right. busting their butt for 12 hours right. um yeah you know yeah you're waiting you're waiting for that night shift to come in. oh yeah um, oh yeah and then you're just like feel the pain with me of yeah. what I've been doing. And then oh, you come yeah. in the next day and, you, and then you see that on them. But um, I remember like I guy, told you, I told you yeah, they were yeah, crazy. This, this, <laughs> this guy like was trying to catch pee in his mouth. He felt that he, he oh. dreamt that like he needed to, to that was the only way to hydrate himself or something. But yeah. then after the bad part about it was after all the neurocephalus kind of calmed down, he didn't remember anything and people were telling him like hey you were doing this this and this and he was so embarrassed oh so he was just by himself so uh it was funny at the time but like afterwards you kind of like oh yeah it's kind of bad that like this guy's doing all this stuff and he doesn't yeah so yeah um but it was it was funny at the time (laughs) (laughs) well you guys i i have had many a patient like pull out their foley like just oh first of all no so that hurt though? so what's what's a foley you would think 
Oh, okay. A Most Foley... people are not going to know what a Foley okay. is, I'm sure. A Foley is a catheter. And in order to insert the catheter and have it stay in, you insert the tube into the urethra and then blow up the balloon so that it stays in the bladder so that it doesn't slide back out. Delicious. And people with dementia who don't realize what they're doing, sure. typically, mm-hmm. um, they are like, oh, well, I have this tube that I don't need because I don't know what this is. I don't know where I am. <laughs> Right. And they just pull it right out, balloon intact. And then there's blood everywhere and pee everywhere. And it's wild. Oh, my goodness. That's so terrible. Well, it's not good. It's a terrible disease as it is. is, So it just it's just also I will say the strongest people in the world. And you, I, I will go to the grave with this. The strongest. (laughs) The I will die on this hill. The strongest. People in the world are 90-year-old women with dementia. Oh, interesting. I, What's the basis? What you got? <laughs> I have had many of them hold my arm like, oh. and push me away oh. so that I would not touch them and do Is all these true? things, even though I'm like trying to help them, right? Because they oh. have like, right. But they, the, the combativeness is strong and they will kick and fight and like all kinds of things wow and they are just so strong so strong wow crazy that's kind of impressive at 90 also i agree in general i'm like i'm pretty sure like on any other day you would think you would look at them and be like oh like i could take them in a fight no you can't (laughs) just give up now you don't have absolutely not absolutely not (laughs) i think the grossest thing that i've ever had was I was helping this patient from the bed to the to the toilet, right? So it's a little bit of walk in between. I feel like I know. And what um, most of the older patients have diarrhea anyway. Mm-hmm. So when I, we got to the toilet, he was already starting, mm-hmm. right? And so it was all over the toilet seat. And I went to go across to grab some toilet paper to wipe the toilet seat so that way he wouldn't sit in right feces and i'm like okay let me, you know i'm tyler. gonna, gonna make tyler. sure this is good to go tyler and luckily this enough i right. had you know i already Careful have my SpongeBob. ppe i have my ppe my protective my personal protective equipment in my my you know my oh, glove. No. yeah and i went across and he no he shit on my hand no just laid a turd right on my back of my palm. How delightful. And at that moment, at that moment, I paused. Of course you did. And I thought about my life. <laughs> and I could feel the warmth. Oh, no. Oh, no. In the back of my hand. And I just remember, like, what am I doing? Oh, my God. And I remember him, like... He was kind of like, "Are you done? Do whatever you're cleaning up." Like yelling, he was yelling at me to hurry up. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, "Hold on a second, I'm evaluating my life at the time." <laughs> I got a crisis going on. <laughs> oh my god. And uh, I'm I, rethinking I, my all of my life decisions up until this point. Yeah. yeah. And I was thankful that I remember, you know, as a nurse, you go through nursing school. They always say, first thing you do, go in a room, put your gloves on." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's put right. Put your gloves on. First Double up. Put your gloves on. Whatever. That's it is. right. 
And I know a lot of nurses get lazy or they yeah. just they feel that they know better, whatever it is, and they yeah. don't put gloves on. And no, you I put remember, your gloves on. I remember putting my gloves on and I was thankful that I put my gloves on. <laughs> and I think that's right. Uh, yeah. You know, and stuff happens like that. Like it it happens. Okay. Um, but with that said, you guys have both been talking a lot about uh some kind of bodily fluids going mm-hmm. on. Yes. What I need to know, what is the one bodily fluid you cannot stand like the one that will just turn you away immediately because it clearly ain't poo considering both of you have quite the experience with it spit, so, spit. really 100 percent, 100 percent, a thousand percent spit first of all mm. it it's the human mouth is disgusting all right <laughs> i was sure. not a dentist for a reason okay, okay. Of Second germs. of all, if of you have, if you have never, if you have never had a patient that has had a trach, which is like, um, for those who don't know, it's basically another airway that if the patient can't breathe through their nose or mouth or whatever, and they need another airway, they just put a hole in your throat mm. and <clears throat> the secretions that develop there are truly <laughs> vile. Um, and if you cough and you have a trach, all of the secretions come out of it and it like spews out into the room and it's disgusting. It's not good. And like, uh, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Blair says the mucus plugs in there are great. Yeah. It's oh, the mucus plug is like when you have that trach and it builds up all gunk and then they eventually cut it off and you had to like save them by yeah. like, getting that mucus plug out of there it's yeah it's, it's not it's not good and then the suctioning is just i feel like i'm hurting them even you though are. you are it, it's very <laughs> uncomfortable like, I mean, how, for everyone what do you think it is to put like a little tube down someone's yeah. probably not enough. very comfortable it's, at all but you know it's either miserable. that or they aspirate on their yeah. secretions so it's like uh, it's not great. Okay. I would rather clean up someone's poop like a thousand times than have to deal with that. What about you, though? Um, you seem to disagree on the spit. I, I can deal with mucus plugs and trachea. Uh-uh. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's okay. It's not. It's not the best, but it's all right. Um, I think it's the ostomies, depending on where they're at. Oh yeah. So you know. Ostomy for people that don't know, it's when they make a artificial exit of your either small bowels. Usually, it's in small bowels um, and your small intestines for whatever reason, and you have a bag that's associated with it. And um, depending on where that ostomy is, it depends on what comes out and what it looks like and smells right. like. Um, if it's more like liquidy and yeah. right. Uh, bile and those people are really especially the ones that have it for a long time they're really brave and i i i don't know how i could deal with that i mean eventually you just get used to it and maybe and you learn to deal with it in their own ways because they're really finicky the bags are really kind of finicky they're getting better at it technology is getting better at it but yeah it's just a finicky process yeah but um Depending on where it's at, it's not really pleasant. I knew one nurse that uh, was working with the distinguished visitor, and 
she went to go change it and she was a relatively new nurse like me and she opened the bag and that smell hit her and she vomited into the bag into the into the patient basically Oh. and um oh. you know, how upset as a patient was <laughs> there's a lot of upset things vomit <laughs> into your ostomy oh like no the worst how uh, did that even work like the bag usually points down like was how or was, was she, like, was it off she was burping or the bag oh okay so those gas there's gases that S- build up in the bag and sometimes yeah. you have to slightly open the bag to like release the gases so you yeah you have to and I think she was burping the bag, and that's and what it, happened. Uh, so, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that's the one. I, Ish. Yeah. It's either that, or you're talking about um, C diff or something of like that. Sort. Yeah, yeah. C diff has I, a particular smell. It does. It's associated it does. with it. I, and if you're not used to it, that can really throw you off. Um, any any nurse especially as a who nurse, is yeah, any nurse who's been around for a little while knows there's a very distinct smell with C. diff. And if you've ever smelled it, you'll never forget. Yep. Like, yeah. And so you'll be able to smell that your patient has C. diff way before anybody else knows. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's not great. It's not a great smell. Uh, Smells don't really bother me that much, though. It's, that one's got like a really weird smell. For, it does. For, for, you know, feces and stuff. But the good yeah. news is... Uh... <laughs> that might be solved based on the good news from the beginning so maybe there will be some trials well, to help eliminate yeah. that problem so it's going to be a problem it's just a matter of treatment of that right. problem right um, yeah i mean they've had treatment for aceta for some time now of you know using um particular antibiotics particular antibiotics though yeah um you know, that's why they test for what bacteria is spreading or what substance yeah. you have or whatever it is. Gotcha. Um, but they used uh, dehydrated good human feces and packed it into pills and used that. And that's been some some um, pills yeah. for a while now that have been doing that. Yeah. That's why I was saying earlier, like fecal yeah. transplants are very invasive and they for don't sure. always work. Yeah. So it's I'm sure there's like a bunch of other things to try yeah. ahead of that. Um, but it's always a good I mean, it's there for us yep. if we need That's it. Great. Well, on that disgusting note, um, Yay! <laughs> I honestly feel like that uh, we should just end it there. <laughs> just really you don't want to hear more about this. Look, I just love that the image you guys have left them with is is wrapped in poop vomit and spit <laughs> that's, that's yes. why we're that's why we're ending this podcast don't forget blood we love blood oh yeah just delicious all around um anyways we'd love to uh give a thank you to tyler for joining us and for being part of the podcast this week um just appreciate you being a special guest and giving us that moment together to talk with Blair about things that are completely out of my realm. So. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, be happy to come back anytime. Just to talk about more. Yeah, fun. thanks, Tyler. Yeah, no worries. And as always, you can feel free to send us any questions, comments, or concerns. You probably have a lot after this one. You can email us at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com or, of course, tweet us at mediocresquawks. Blair, do you got anything else for the peoples? No. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. We uh, we appreciate that 
you know, you're willing to hear us talk about these things. <laughs> and I promise the next episode will be much less gross and much more family friendly. That's promise. right. It is our holiday special. So please be sure to tune in in two weeks. And with that, I guess we'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.